Well, hello there and welcome to the e-commerce podcast with me, your host, Matt Edmondson. Now, today's episode is a little bit different. Oh, yes, it is a little bit different. If you're a regular to the show, you will know or will have heard me talk about e-commerce cohort, which is a membership group for e-com entrepreneurs uh, and owners that I I think everyone in e-commerce should join. That's just me, it's a personal thing, but you know, uh, it's just the way it is. Uh, And so uh, I thought today we would do a little bit of a mashup. Now this month we have been uh, talking about Black Friday marketing in cohort. And so every month we kind of have this Q&A section. And so I thought we'd do that as a podcast. And then I thought, I need an expert. Oh yes. And then I thought, who better to have in on the show than the amazing Chloe Thomas, who has been on the guest, who has been on the e-commerce podcast several times already. Uh, and Chloe, we, a few years ago, we did this sort of Black Friday chat. So I thought, let's get Chloe in again from e-commerce master plan. Now, I'll read your bio, Chloe, and then we'll get into it. Uh, Chloe is a globally recognized e-commerce marketing problem solver, author of several best-selling books, keynote speaker, and host of both the award-winning e-commerce master plan podcast and keep optimizing podcast. Chloe is an all-round legend. And actually, Chloe, mm-hmm. what I'm really psyched about is this week we actually met for the first time. We did, yes. Full on, in real life, in person chat. Yeah, rather than just Zoom or whatever yes, software exactly. it is we're using these days. It was, I know, I know how tall you are now. it's always a really interesting piece uh what happened uh was chloe arranged this week uh for several of us ecom podcasters in the uk to get together for breakfast in london Uh, in london in london (laughs) and it was brilliant actually it was really good to see everybody um so there was was nice yeah nick was there tim was there and james was there right uh, all from various e-commerce podcasts. We'll link to them all actually in the show notes. Give them all a good shout out because they're all top blokes. Uh, and you were the only lady in the group. How was that for you? Oh, well, it's pretty much my normal life, really. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's interesting because there aren't there aren't that many women e-commerce podcast around podcasters around the globe and. Um, it was the first ever time we've done it, and I am working on getting some women to come and join us next time. But there aren't that many to pick from, um, and um, and I think I think women have um, more of a will it be worth it uh, filter than men do. Men are <laughs> so just like, there's think, food. I'm there. What, what's wrong with you people? There's there's food. It's fine. I'll, yeah, cool. <laughs> um, no, I I think women have more of a can I be bothered to go to London for this or not? Will this yeah. be worth it or should I just stay in the office? But I may be massively stereotyping there. But um, but no, I, I grew up with um, with brothers and um, best mates at uni were all boys. So I'm, I'm all right amongst the boys. Yeah. It was okay. Yeah, it was lovely, actually. It was lovely to see everybody and meet everybody. So thank you for arranging that, uh, by that the way. That was cool. And it was all it was quite good. coincidental in terms of timing. I thought to myself, what I should have done was taken like four or five microphones down and plonked them in the middle of the table. <laughs> and I said, right, we're going to have a conversation. Uh, and then never did. Uh, we never talked about podcasting, which was the irony of that that meetup. No, no, we did we did manage to talk a little bit about e-commerce, but almost not at all about podcasting. Um, but I think it, I think it was a good first meeting and we'll do, we'll do more, I think. Yeah. 
Yeah, we will. I'm looking forward to it. Right, let's get into these questions because we have quite a few questions about Black Friday. Uh, and so thank you for being uh, with me again in the in the Q&A section. So um, let's, are you good? Are you, are you good to go? We good I'm, to jump straight? I'm let's ready to go. <laughs> um, I have been, I've been talking about Black Friday for probably two months now. And okay. I think this Black Friday has changed or the tone of conversation has changed more this year from when we started talking about it to now than ever before. So um, it's very cool to be doing something that's going out quite quickly to yes. give people the, the right advice as of now. <laughs> it may change. Uh, yeah, we probably will. <laughs> <laughs> it probably will. It is funny, isn't it? Because this time of the year, you, you're running your e-commerce site and you're thinking, oh crap, Black Friday. And you, you've kind of, I, I know a lot of people that have done that. I'm just putting it off, putting it off, putting it, and now they're going, and it's getting closer and closer and they're starting the cold sweats are starting and so um it it, it tends to be a common theme around this time of year well, it is that difficult piece you know normally i i always wonder when should we put out our black friday content when should we put it out because to be honest everyone should be starting to plan black friday from the week after black friday right <laughs> that's when your planning should start yeah. and you should by the end of august for you know not if you're not a massive retailer by the end of august you should have your plans lockdown know what product you're discounting what the discounts are going to be what the segments are what the marketing methods are and then you've got a solid foundation on which to twist and pivot which you're inevitably going to do this year anyone mm -hmm. who was who was good in inverted commas and who had their plan in place by the end of august it shouldn't be what you're putting in place what you're actually going to run it should have changed by now um in one way or one way or another so it's kind of like that irony if you have you should start planning early so you're in control mm. but being in control means changing your plans quite regularly so this is one of those years where if you're not a planner you've got quite a massive get out of jail free card because plans have been rewritten so many yeah. times possibly come off better than the rest of us <laughs> <laughs> but it's not maybe. a strategy we advocate advocate maybe it's one of those things, isn't it, that the longer that we've been going on, the more Black Fridays we've done, certainly as Brits, because it's not a common, it wasn't a common thing until a few years ago, was it? Um, and the, the sort of the more we get used to it, the more comfortable we seem to be feeling with it. And I think the better off we are at preparing for it now. I think I feel more prepared for Black Friday than I ever have done uh, this year. Yeah, I think I, I think there's there's kind of two reasons for that. One is that we've kind of realised, and Black Friday has evolved so as it can be whatever you want it to be. Mm. So there's movements against Black Friday. There's definitely a movement against the big blanket discounts that only last for 24 hours and things like this. So there's definitely. Um, I think everyone now feels like they have permission to create the promotion that works for them. And then the second side of it is I think we as an industry have got much savvier at organizing the operations side of it, you know, um, changing the postage methods, changing the messaging mm -hmm. on speed of delivery, working with our couriers, our 3PLs, our own in-house warehouses to be ready and to manage that bump when it comes. and those third parties we use, couriers, um, uh, software, uh, the um, simply the, you know, the 3PLs, etc., have become a lot better prepped for that being a very, very busy weekend. Mm. So I think 
those for me are the two bits. We've become smarter at the ops side of things. And we've also started creating our own version of Black Friday rather than just doing something silly. <laughs> I like that. Rather than just doing something silly, yes. Uh, no, I think well, it's look, very true. It is, it, there is nothing stupider as a business than going, oh, look, everyone else is doing that. I'd better do it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. nothing stupider. So, um, yeah, don't do the silly thing. Do what works for your business. Yeah, absolutely. First tip right there, right? Uh, <laughs> so, question number one. These questions, by the way, are in no particular order. So, uh, I've not... I've not done that due diligence and gone, I'll put these in a logical order. I've just whacked them on a piece of paper. Uh, and so... Well, and, and Matt, if this goes like any of our other chats, we'll probably be answering question 20 um, by accident in question one anyway. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, more than likely. Uh, and we probably won't get to question four. Uh, is the other thing that will probably happen. So, some of these are quite uh, detail-y type questions. Voucher codes. Should you do voucher codes uh, for your Black Friday offer? Yes or no? Pros and, pros and uh, cons. Pros are that it enables you to give the offers to the people you want to give the offers to, in theory, anyway. You know, if you want to, if you've got limited stock and you want to give the best discounts to a selected segment of customers, then a voucher code is a great way to do that because they're the only ones who've got the voucher code. It's also a good way of protecting a bit of margin because even if you give the customer a voucher code, some of them will forget to use it and will pay full mm -hmm. price or whatever it is anyway. So I think they have a really good role to play. The downsides of it, it will lower response rate because people won't have a voucher code and it will inevitably get picked up on a voucher code website, which means all <laughs> your carefully targeted segmentation <laughs> and margin yeah, control and yeah. marketing channel control methods will go wrong yeah. um, and it will end up you know, the, the sales will end up getting double counts in different places. Now, if you've got a massive overstock and you desperately want to clear it, then that's fine. But if you haven't got much extra product and you are trying to use you, what margin you can afford to give away in the best possible way, then you've just got to be really careful with that. So I, I definitely wouldn't be running in that scenario. I definitely wouldn't run a voucher code that lasts for the whole month of November. Mm -hmm. I might run a voucher code that's 24 hours only for this group of customers because when it's short time bounded like that, you've got less seepage into other marketing channels. Yeah, that's very true. It depends, Matt. It depends. It depends. I thought these <laughs> questions, you just answer all the questions, it depends. Uh, it's, um, no, it's totally right. I mean, I remember once we did a voucher code around Black Friday uh, and it did get onto a voucher website and we came in and saw thousands of people had used this code and we were like, Oh my lord! What on earth has happened? We didn't. <laughs> we just didn't expect it, and so we spent days trying to pick up the pieces from that. The other thing that I've found with voucher codes, Claire, I don't know if you've seen this, is, is actually people. You can give out voucher codes, and it does give you some more margin because people don't use them. But those people can then contact customer service and go, "I'm terribly sorry, I didn't use my voucher code," which increases around Black Friday the workload on your already busy customer service team yeah. uh, quite dramatically. And um, and we've noticed actually with voucher codes, not only does customer service increase, but customers can feel a little bit cheated. 
Yeah, it can. They're one of those tricky things these days. I tend to advise against using them um, generally because there's all these nuances that people miss, you know, extra yeah. work on customer services and so forth. Um, there are now uh, apps like AI chatbots and negotiation chatbots, which can reference the database to give people back the, the coupon code so they can go, hello. Have you forgotten your voucher code? And then give you a voucher code. But of course, that's also going to pop up to people who you never gave a voucher code to mm. in the first place. And I've seen other retailers having in the checkout, you know, you've got the promo code or the voucher code box, and then having a link underneath it that goes, Have you forgotten your voucher code? Click here, that just gives them a voucher code, which can be a good ploy if you're heavily embedded in voucher codes as a business to make sure you, you get the checkout. But if you don't usually use them, you're you're just giving margin away at that yeah. point. So there are, they are a tricky little game, voucher codes, I suppose. They're a tricky little game to play. Yeah, they are. And, I, and like you say, it depends, doesn't it, on what's right for your business and your customers. Um, yeah. Like I say, for us, I just know over Black Friday, our customer service team are already rammed. And whenever you use voucher codes, you are going to add to that problem. Uh, and so you just have to think that through a, a little bit. Um, yeah. So I think this year, actually, we decided not to do voucher codes. Um, you're just going to, the offer is what the offer is. And actually, we're going to do different landing pages. Um, and so we'll So much simpler way to, of doing it. Yeah. Yeah. A, li a little bit more work up front. Yeah. But there's the message. One less box to fill in, which should increase conversion rate. Mm -hmm. You can segment your marketing and point people to the correct landing pages. Then you can make it a little bit more exclusive because you can put exclusive mm. on the page, reiterate the deal. So yeah, I think that's, um, if you've got the time to set up the landing pages, a much more controllable way of running your offers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I'll let you know. Uh. Well, and <laughs> And also, presumably, if you're doing it with landing pages, you can actually have a unique skew f on sale. Mm -hmm. So you can limit the amount of stock you've got for each offer. So if you were only planning on selling 100 of your 1,000 units at that discount, mm -hmm. you don't come in and discover it's ended up on a voucher code site and you sold all 1,000, which was your exactly. stock to last you through to, I don't know, February or something at that discount level. So, um, yeah, look, control is always good on Black Friday. It is. And scarce actually doing things like we've only got 100 and people can see it countdown on the website is very, very good. That sort of scarcity. Is it, it is scarcity, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sort of scarcity mentality yeah. type thing, isn't it? And you kind of, you do have those countdown times. So yes, landing pages give us a little bit more control. There is a little, like you say, a little bit more work up, up the front because you have to think about who am, I, who am I doing this landing page for, right? You have to segment um, and then figure out the different offers. But it's actually a lot more straightforward for us because we've only got a small skew catalogue um, as opposed to um, we don't have the beauty company anymore. So I've not got 10,000 beauty products that I need to think about. Um, it's it's much more straightforward. So, um, so yes, uh, voucher codes. There you go. Okay, so sh here's a question for you. Why, why did this question? Should I keep capturing emails during a site-wide sale? That's an interesting, I'm not quite sure what they entirely mean, but have a go at answering that one. I would assume that means should I turn off my email sign up or should I should I go fully tunnel vision on getting the sale rather than try and get an email account? So I'm going to assume it's that. Yeah. Um, no, you should still be um, aiming to collect email addresses because there will still be people coming to your site who 
aren't yet ready to uh, to purchase and who do go, oh, no, the offer's not quite what I wanted it to be. Or no, I'm not sure Julie would actually like that. I'll sign up and I'll get it because you might mm. convert them later. Um, e assuming you are still running that, I would just be careful of being aware of what codes or offers, if any, you've got on the email sign up. And I mm. might um, I might pause a, a, a um, sign up pop up might pause a sign up pop up I might not it would depend on the brand mm. but if you're not pausing it so you're expecting quite a few sign ups during that time period I might change the first email in that welcome campaign to be it's Black Friday amazing offers only last until Saturday evening or whenever it is so you're just going you'll get the rest of our welcome campaign later but you need to know yeah. about our Black Friday offers yeah. now um and, you know, and if you've got any restrictions on, you know, someone who's just signed up doesn't get your normal broadcast and you've got a load of normal broadcast about Black Friday going out, I'd remove that restriction as well because they are arguably your hottest, some of your hottest buyers at that point. Mm. But yeah, I would still be, I wouldn't turn off email collection. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. The one, th the one thing maybe I would turn off is the pop-ups that I, again, I see them a lot, you know, put your email address in and get 10% off, especially if you're already discounting on the site. Um, you might just want to rephrase that or, or re redo that. Um, but like, yeah, and again, this is where actually landing pages is really helpful. So you can, if you're sending your existing customers to a different landing page or, you know, the best customers to this landing page, you don't obviously need the email sign up uh, because mm -hmm. they're already there, right? Um, but when you're using, uh, like with our paid media campaigns, we know where all the new customers are going to. So we might want to make the email sign up a little bit more prominent, maybe on that page. Yeah, and you might, um, you know, if you've got specific landing pages for those new customer acquisition campaigns, you might uh, run and be running a delay pop-up so you or an exit pop-up so it mm. doesn't come up unless they want to leave that page and not take your offer. Um, so, yeah, be a, being a little bit strategic about it and just thinking through, hold on, what? how does this campaign affect our activity? And um, and if, if you're only running a one-day Black Friday and you're a small team, I'm just going to put this out there just, just so you know, you can just go, it would be really nice to rebuild our welcome campaign, but actually let's just turn it off for 24 hours. Yeah. Um, or it would be really nice to rebuild all of that, but that's not going to be worth it for us. Feel free to, you know, be as, do as much or as little of what Matt and I are talking through here, because some of this is quite big business, um, crossing the I's and dotting the T's stuff. Yeah, some of it you definitely need a team for mm. uh, would be be one of the companies. In fact, one of the things, um, Chloe, that's come up in cohort uh, in the in the we do this workshop in cohort, and one of the things, in fact, this month I did the workshop. One of the things that we talked about in the workshop was you can have permission to not do Black Friday. Yes, and you can, you, and you can just feel the weight just disappear off a number of shoulders, just kind of going, oh, really. Yeah. Okay, so the, there are questions around that, and, and and you mentioned this at the start. So, um, what advice do you give to people who go and go? I don't know if I want to do Black Friday. If you've got a good reason not to do it, don't do it. I mean, and a good reason could be it doesn't fit with our brand, it doesn't fit with our sales model. Um, we only have a limited amount of stock, 
during the pandemic, I was doing a lot of work with uh, Wentworth jigsaw puzzles who manufacture their own jigsaws and who were really struggling for stock. So they didn't do Black Friday, mm -hmm. uh, you know, because that was the right decision for them. Um, other brands I've known haven't done it and they've still had great sales days on that day because the cust their customers were holding their spend, waiting to see what the offers were. And when there wasn't an offer, they bought anyway because that yeah. was the product they wanted. There is a, there is a big um, customer intention to spend money on mm -hmm. that day, whether you run an offer or not. So you will probably see a sales uplift even if you don't do anything, yeah. but you don't have to. Or you might do something tiny like we've got you know, we've got some, you know, you basically rebrand your sale as your Black Friday offers and clear out some stock you want to clear out. Or you, you know, you, you, you look at the dead stock in the back of the warehouse and you do some mystery boxes, you know, contents worth a hundred pounds, we'll charge you 20 pounds for it. And you 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 know, your finance director's going, yes, we finally cleared that dead stock and turned it into cash. You have permission to do it, to leverage that customer buying intent mm. in whatever way you want to, even if that means doing nothing and just feeling quite smug. Um, yeah. <laughs> Whilst everyone else is running around going Everyone's crazy. going utterly crazy. We actually ran some tests at Jersey um, on Black Friday. Some Black Fridays we did stuff and some Black Fridays we didn't. And... What we found was that, yes, when you did Black Friday offers, sales increased. But when you didn't do Black Friday sales, sales also increased. Because like you say, that buying intent. Now, they increased more when you did do Black Friday offers. But your margin was a lot less. Uh, and so we found, actually, if we were protecting margin and also we were protecting... Because um, a lot of our customers that would buy on Black Friday would buy more. Right, so they'd increase the average order value then, but that means they wouldn't be buying in January, which is when we normally would expect them to buy. So I'm offsetting the future purchase a little bit. So when we weighed all of that um, together, we actually, with the beauty company, stopped doing Black Friday because it was more profitable for us as a business not to do it. Now, we, we did engage the customers leading up to Black Friday and let them know what was going on. And we found actually doing offers closer to Christmas was better for us. Um, but yeah, it was a really, really interesting experiment for us to do. And so that permission to not do Black Friday, as Chloe said, if it's not right for your business model, don't do it. There's yeah, no pressure. there's no rule book that says you have to run Black Friday. No. It's your business. You make the rules. So what are some of the um, campaigns that you think if you are going to do Black Friday, some of the offers, some of the campaigns that you've heard talked about this year that you think actually they're, they're quite clever or they're going to win or? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a difficult one this year in particular because I know there's a lot of businesses who have overstock because yeah. they weren't anticipate that when at the point where they placed the orders, they weren't anticipating the slowdown of the economy that they have experienced in some sectors already. Yeah. So they've got stock they need to clear into cash, in which case going big and deep with Black Friday is good because you, you need the cash. Even if the margin's bad, you need the cash or you're not surviving the year potentially. But then there's other brands who are doing, um, who are doing quite well or doing better than average who are having to make this decision. So I think we're going to see a really mixed up campaign. The piece of tech 
that I'm most interested in seeing the results of is one I only came across a couple of weeks ago at e-commerce expo, mm. which is called Nibble. Have you come across Nibble? Okay, so Nibble is an AI chatbot that negotiates with yes. your customer. Uh, this is why I was looking slightly because I'm like, this sounds familiar. And I'm thinking, <laughs> is that the negotiation software? It's the, the negotiation I, one. Yeah. Which I think if it's deployed in the right way could be amazing. And there are some amazing case studies and they're, you know, they're busy gathering people to test this on Black Friday for them. And I think it could be, you know, we talked about, you know, is your voucher code missing? If you've got mm. a chatbot going, do you, would you like a deal on this? Mm. And it knows the remit it can go to in that product. It should have a very positive impact on conversions and it should save a bit of margin here and there. If I wasn't doing Black Friday, you know, a big Black Friday event, I might deploy it just on Black Friday mm. for a laugh. You know, not for a laugh, sorry, for a good, for a really interesting yeah, test. Yeah, yeah. And go, it can take 10% off if a customer delays for X amount of time on the site and isn't checking out, go, were you hoping we were running a Black Friday deal? Shh, don't tell anyone, but we could do something. What would you like type thing? So I'm, I'm very intrigued on that because I haven't seen that. I haven't ever seen that done effectively. I've seen dynamic pricing and that kind of stuff played around with, but I think that could be very interesting. Mm. And I'm hoping we will see some good segmentation because there's no excuse not to do good segmentation. Not anymore. Um, no. But we shall see. I suppose. <laughs> that's the that's the crux of the matter, isn't it? So good seg so good segmentation, right? How would you de define good segmentation? What are some of the segments that you would be looking at uh, for e-commerce brands? Caveating this with it, it depends on you know how much you've got to shift, how much margin you can give away, what your overall business targets are. But I would be you know, trying to trying to find the offers which are going to turn inquirers who haven't previously purchased into buyers. Mm -hmm. So Black Friday is one thing. It's a chance to get the people who've been sitting on the fence all year to get off that fence and spend some money with yeah. you. So I, and the, you know, and if you've been, I was going to say aggressively, if you've been cleverly gathering email addresses all year, then you should you know, have a decent sized list to be sending that out to. The other thing I would be doing at the moment is I would be focusing on um, kind of reactivation campaigns because when the economy is a bit tougher, people are more likely to spend money with businesses they already trust. And your past customers, those who've lapsed, should be ready to trust you Mm -hmm. to uh, buy again. So it should be an easier conversion. Therefore, you shouldn't need to use to give away so much margin to get that conversion. And if you can reactivate them now, it's the end of November when we hit Black Friday, you still theoretically got time to do another sale before the end of the year and certainly to get them back in to help you with the sale clearance and everything that comes mm. next year. So those are the two pots I would focus on most heavily, getting that right for them. Um, and I would also make sure that within all those marketing messages, as well as working out the right promotion and the right products to be shifting, I would be using a lot of the kind of the neuro marketing language within it all. So FOMO, scarcity, deadlines, new, exclusive, yeah, yeah. social proof, all that kind of stuff, because that's the it's the grease that oils the checkout. And if you get those right, then 
I reckon I have no stats to back this up at all. I'm sure I could find them if I went and read a couple of books. But <laughs> if you get them right, then you can you should be able to protect a bit of margin and increase mm. your conversion rate because that's what they do. They are they are yeah. things which we as humans are programmed to reactivate well to. Mm -hmm. So they should, you know, theoretically, you should be able to reduce to increase reduce your promotion rate, save a few more percentage points of margin by using those rather than having to, to, to go deeper. So a bit of clever copywriting, a bit of decent design work, mm. and you can protect a bit of margin as well. And I think that's the winners this year will be those who manage to get the sales whilst protecting as much margin as possible. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. It's, um, I like that. I like that. So and I like, I'm really curious actually to see if I do go on any websites and come across that negotiating software. I've seen it work a couple of times and I've, I've tried my hand buying something once with it, just having a, I was just totally crazy with it, but it was just good fun. Um, yeah. And it does create that talking point, doesn't it? That whole yeah. negotiation thing. So really keen to see if that comes uh, a little bit more to the forefront. Very good, very good. Um, so on in cohort, Chloe, one of the things that we talked about was building trust uh, with your customer. Um, conversion rates, obviously, for, first and foremost, are all about trust. How much does this customer trust you? Um, what are some of the ways that people can increase trust on the website for, say, the first time buyers? Social proof most obviously um but social proof comes in so many different flavors you know you've got the overall score of the site you know four and a half stars out of whatever on whatever platform you're using you've got actual quotes from actual customers to put in places and mm. i would take some control over what appears on the home page and what is on your emails i know you can get widgets that just feed things through mm. but i would take a little bit of control over that yeah. and maybe go yeah. This is a particularly good one we're going to put on that banner when people land on the site. Um, I would also, you know, make sure you've got that on individual products. We hear from mm -hmm. all the sources in the world that one review on a product page massively increases the conversion <laughs> off that product page. So go and find some of that um, and make sure, you know, you've got it on if you've got best-selling products or products you think should be bestsellers that haven't yet got any reviews, work a bit harder on trying to get those yeah. in play. Um, and then also, you know, we see increasing amounts of uh, UGC or user-generated content photography and video. If you've got that, use that in the marketing, use it on the website as relevant to get that customer giving a real view of your product. So that's kind of the, the big kind of user generated content, the big social proof stuff that comes from your customers. Then you've got the social proof that comes from PR and places you've been featured, famous customers, that sort of thing. Um, I watched a presentation by Biscuiteers last week who have a quote from Claudia Winkleman saying, um, if you don't like Biscuiteers, there's something, basically, I paraphrase, if you don't like Biscuiteers, there's something wrong with you, tell customer services, they have my number, we'll have a chat about your problems or something <laughs> along those lines, which is just like, it's on brand Claudia Winkleman. And yeah, totally. You know, and she is so on brand for their cut their their company as well. I would have that all over their homepage and on yeah. every email. Um, so, you know, famous customers quotes, places you've been featured include some of that. And then um, one of the things which gets kind of 
neglected on the trust front can often be founder's story, how long you've been around, how many orders you've shipped, how many happy customers you've had. Because, you know, if you're trying to convince, convince those new people, you need to do everything you can to show them that other people have purchased your products and been happy about it. Yeah. Anything you can do to show that and to reveal the humanity behind the business should work well for you. Yeah, but don't absolutely. don't try and put it all on one page, though. <laughs> you know, make it balanced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, this reviews thing is an interesting thing, isn't it? Because especially um, if you are going to be doing an offer on some stock that you've got, and they and you haven't got reviews on that stock, you you've got a few weeks to go and get them, but not many. You need to you need to go and get those really. And I think, I mean, it depends on your website, doesn't it? And my experience is you need probably at least between five and 15 to get going with. And Well, you say that, but um, at the same event that Biscuiteers was speaking at, someone from John Lewis was speaking, and she was saying they if they had one review on a product, it increased the conversion rate of that page by 10%, I think was the number she yeah. was saying. Yeah. And I had uh, the person who was in charge of reviews at Argos on the podcast Oh, a couple that of years back, back Deanne, now, and Diane Steele, Joanna, Joanna Steele, yeah, yeah, Joanna it is Steele. Joanna. Sorry, yeah. not Diane. Brilliant, yeah. Joanna Steele. Love that, um, yeah. And she was saying how even a one-star review on a product mm. increased the conversion rate. So, so yes, there, there's certainly some, uh, you know, a flywheel impact that happens after you get a certain number. But to get mm. one is brilliant. If you've got a group, you know, if you've managed to build a community of some description of particularly great customers, loyal customers who you can talk to, sending out an email to that VIP group and saying, or, you know, if you've got them in a Facebook group or something else, um, or, you know, the founder's got a good Instagram following, putting one mm. out going, we're going to be doing a great Black Friday offer on this product. If you've bought it, we'd really appreciate a review because it will help us sell more units and help the new customers yeah. understand the real benefits of the product. I bet that will work if you're build, you know, if you've got those customers who love it direct them tell them you need, need their help it's a very powerful way of getting people to do things over and above just pinging out another mm. boring review request email yeah. you know send Which it from the fans read. yeah 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 send it from a good group of people don't fake it please don't fake it um it's morally bad if nothing else wow it's <laughs> just it's just wrong isn't it it's just let's just yeah. It's just wrong. Don't do it. Um, no, no, be genuine. Be authentic. But just go and get people to review your product. Um, I would agree that one review is good. We found in our testing that the same sort of thing. Actually, one review makes a big difference to conversion. And then when we sort of depend on the product, if we sort of hit 5 to 15, that would take it to the next sort of stage. Um, and so we always have the little groups, the little groups of hardcore fans. Uh, and we're like, right, let's go get these guys to write reviews. And if we were ever doing a new product, we would send the product out and go, please review this product even before we've launched the product. Um, and so, yeah, all kinds of little tricks that you can do. But I liked your founder's Instagram thing. Just put it out there. People will review it. It's not a problem. Uh, but yeah, do exactly. get your reviews. You know, you could even use it as a double bubble bump and send out an email to your VIPs going, we'll give you X percentage off this product if you can... Yeah buy it and leave a review in the next week. 
Yeah. So you get like a little mini uplift before then you use that for the Black Friday bit. And yeah. if you're going to do that, don't bother tracking whether they get around to leaving your review or not, but do send them an email reminding them that they got a discount for a review. But, you know, slapping your customers' knuckles for not having the time to put a review when you gave them some money off is not a good idea. I feel that at times no. of stress when everyone's tired like they are at the moment, it sounds obvious, but it needs to be said sometimes. It, it does. It does. Yeah, we don't need to police this uh, to the crazy levels sometimes. Um. <laughs> okay, so question, another question here, Chloe. Tips for selling after Black Friday. All the normal stuff, guys. <laughs> All the normal stuff. Um, it's. I think this is one of the things which people who are newer to the industry get that kind of fear of, oh my God, the customers will, will remember it was 20% off on Friday and they won't buy it on Monday. As a human being in your own buying, have you ever done that? Mm. No, <laughs> you've just got, I'll just buy mm. it on Monday. So business carries on as normal post Black Friday, but the good, the, the, the great thing is you should have some fresh buyers, yeah. maybe first time buyers, second time buyers, third time buyers who want an already to buy from you who are having that good experience. So the first thing I guess is make sure they have a good experience from from that sale. So the parcel arrives on time, customer services are ready to help them with delivery if they need it, et cetera, et cetera. And then carry on with all the normal marketing that you would normally that you do in the run up to Christmas. And it's as simple and straightforward as that, really. Yeah, but I missed no, anything, Matt. Is, is that too obvious? No, no, no. Obvious is good, Chloe. Obvious is good. And I, I do want to jump in here a little bit and say, listen, if you're on cohort, don't worry, we're covering this uh, in next month's sprint. So uh, we are going to, you know, how do you write your welcome sequences and all that sort of stuff for your new customers post Black Friday? Um, but yeah, I think you're totally right. I think it's it's all the straightforward, normal stuff. Is Just do it well. Just treat people how you want to be treated and they'll keep coming back. Now you are going to have some people who are, um, how can I call them? They're just the bargain hunters. They're just out for the bargain. They're going to buy because it was super cheap or whatever. And after that, they almost become a waste of space. That's fine. Just take them off your email list and leave them alone. Uh, they might come yeah. back black next Black Friday. Uh, and that's okay, and you know. The one thing I would do is I would have some postcards printed or some A5 flyers that have a in, an incentive to buy before Christmas mm -hmm. that goes in all those parcels of the Black Friday um, lot. Yeah, it might be a free delivery on your next order or a, uh, you know, a free upgrade to speedy delivery, or it might be a here's five pounds off your next order that looks like a yeah. fiver or something. But just to put that in there, to kind of as they open it they go oh yeah i could buy more before christmas couldn't i just to remind mm -hmm. them that they don't have to forget about you until january they could do something that's got your last order dates for christmas delivery and that sort of thing on it and any key messages you know if you if you find the black friday people are mainly buying for themselves point out you can do gift deliveries yeah. if you do gift deliveries and and things like that so of a visual reminder in that unboxing experience that mm. you're allowed to buy again from me this year is um, a very, very cheap and highly cost-effective marketing method. 
Very good, very true as well. Very, very true. I like that, put it in the box, let them know, it's fine. I saw Ikea do this once uh, really well, not online, uh, but I, I remember a couple of years ago, they did this offer where if you bought a Christmas tree from them, and I can't remember the price of the Christmas tree, let's say it was like 70 bucks, right? If you bought the Christmas tree off them for 70 bucks, they gave you a 70 uh, pound gift voucher. Right? And you kind of think, well, I've got a free Christmas tree. But of course, the gift voucher had to be used between, you know, 2.36pm yeah. and 4.32pm <laughs> on whichever day they had their slowest sales throughout the year. I mean, there was, I mean, it wasn't quite that bad, but there were some strict terms and conditions with it. Um, and you can do things like that. And we, we've done it in the past where it's like, well, this is really clever. If you spend this, we will give you this sort of obscene amount of money in a gift voucher if you spend it between here and here and this time or that time. Um, and I've seen gifts with purchase work really well with this as well. So it's like, if you buy from us before Christmas, um, then uh, this gift voucher entitles you to get this. We did it with candles because candles were easy and everyone wants a candle at Christmas, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and the candles were sold on the site for like 30 bucks. I can't remember what it was, it was like 22 actually, 22 pounds, something like that. Um, but we were like, if you use this gift voucher, we'll send you a candle free of charge with any order. Um, and they're like, but the candle's worth 22 pounds. I could buy something for 10 pounds and get a candle for 22 pounds. Yes, you could. I don't think you, I mean, there was maybe one or two people, that the majority of people didn't. And, um, and that worked really, really well as well. So yeah, those sort of added value things, I think, work, work insanely well. Free gifts are hugely powerful when you get the free gift right and when you buy the free gift right. Mm -hmm. So a free gift, you are in control of how much it's costing you, mm -hmm. which is awesome. Um, so the, so on that side of it, make sure it fits in your normal parcels because <laughs> it's not incredibly heavy either because that's going to yeah. cost you more money. Yeah. You don't want something which causes more delivery problems. So if your parcels usually go through the letterbox, don't get a free gift that's the size of a mug because that's going to be a problem. Yeah. I know it worked for Sports Direct. It's not going to work for everybody. Yeah. Um, then you, and you buy it well. So like a free gift, if, you, if it's, it should, should only cost you a couple of pounds, yeah. like literally one or two pounds. Find something really low cost so you are totally in control of how much that's costing you. And then a free gift like your candle mat should be something which can be re-gifted really easily. It's like mm. a vanilla product. Anyone is interested. You, you know, It's one of those things which you stash in the bottom drawer for when you've forgotten someone's birthday. Um, you know, it's... Back when I worked for pastimes, it was stuff like draw liners and uh, potpourri and things mm -hmm. like these. So just that really vanilla, oh God, it's the mother-in-law's birthday, what am I going to give to her type scenario? Or that can be self-used for yourself. So mm. bath salts, um, candles, notebook cards. I'm probably dating myself with my pastimes <laughs> knowledge here. But um, yeah, <laughs> those sort of things or socks or hand warmers or you know yeah. all these things which can be used or can be re-gifted so that so the person's not going oh but i don't want that they're going oh i could use that or i could give it to x y or z person mm -hmm. so it's useful to them otherwise it's got you know no power at all so yeah cheap universal appeal and fits in the parcel and then go for it i like that fits in the parcel the amount of times we've <laughs> 
Yeah, it's so we, easily done. done. This, and you've got you, you did, you've got this great offer, this gift with purchase, and you go, oh bugger. It doesn't fit in the bloody box. I now need a new box to go. Ah. And he's gone up a bracket in the postage pricing and he's just like, oh. It cost me, you know, whatever a buck to buy it, but it's like £14,000 to ship the blinking thing. It's like I'm never doing that again. And that was always, that was one of the things actually we learned with the candles. Uh, You know, we gave decent sized candles the first year. We're like, we're not doing that again because they weigh an absolute ton. So you you go with the smaller ones and you're like, okay bit more sense um so these things you learn uh, <laughs> and hopefully we're fast tracking that for everyone listening a little yeah. bit anyway yeah absolutely <laughs> um next question do you treat black friday differently to cyber monday depends on what your objectives are and how much time and effort you have within your business um if you've got if you're running and you know promos that run on specific product lines and you're going to try and keep it interesting so you've got a lot of stock to clear so like you know like day one is product x day two is product y day three Mm. is product z and so forth then yeah you're going to be promoting a different product moving it onto the home page focusing on that landing page etc to clear it so you might cycle through offers in that way Uh, you might change the banner on the home page to switch it from black friday to cyber monday um and you probably change the messaging in the emails. Do you need to run a totally separate promotion? No. Be kind to yourself. Um, <laughs> you know, fundamentally, change a couple of graphics. You've got to create a different email anyway, but don't feel like you need to come up with a whole raft of different deals. Yeah. You know, or, or you might do, you might have something in your back pocket, which is if we've not cleared as much stock as we wanted to, or the sales haven't come in on Monday, we'll add a extra five pound off or an extra free delivery or an extra free gift to every order just to get those who are sitting on the fence to move off. But no, you don't, you can do a black Friday, cyber Monday event. You can just do a black Friday event and just have it lasting as long as you want. It's your, your event, do what you need to do. Exactly. Exactly. Very good point. Very good point. I mean, not like for five hours, but. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. So the, um, so be kind to yourself, I thought was top advice, right? Uh, uh, During this crazy busy period. For me, Black Friday, um, I think of it now as a two week event rather than just a one off event. And we, we plan for Black Friday accordingly. It's, It's like, the week before and the week after and we have to think about these sort of two weeks um rather than just thinking about friday and monday uh, for me I, I i do like to think of it as a much bigger thing so here's a question what are <laughs> so i've not actually read this question but i should have read it before it came on and <laughs> um, for either recording what are some of the worst black friday fails you have seen Oh, I mean, there's there's no one who specifically comes to mind. Okay, so I'm not naming and shaming here. But the ones that make my heart sink is when I see a we've taken 40% off everything. (laughs) And you're like, unless you are this close to going under. Yeah, there is no excuse for doing that. It's a bad idea because you will have some stock that you've got like three months coverage of and some stock you've got one week's coverage of and some stock you've accidentally got 12 months coverage of you know so the discount level shouldn't be the same across everything Mm -hmm. else you know which products you want to clear which ones you don't want to clear you know 
um, you know, which customers you want to give the best offers to, or you maybe you're on a big acquisition. So it is going to be something that's, you know, open to everybody. But yeah, 40% of everything, not a good idea. The other one, which I've seen, I can't remember who did this, but someone did this, is they, they closed their website for the day as an anti-Black Friday piece. Oh, which, yeah, Ray, the outdoor clothing brand. And yeah. it just had the notice, didn't it, saying, we're outdoors. Why don't you come and join us? Yeah, it wasn't them, but that's a really good one. Oh, okay. There was someone else who'd done something very similar. And it's like, you just destroyed your SEO and all your links and created a sh whole pile of work. Mm -hmm. You know, by all means, say, if you have a big banner that goes, we're not doing any Black Friday deals. Um, but don't don't shut the website. That's just silly. And it yeah. will pay it won't pay you pay you back it will be a pain in the net in the neck you'll be going oh, all our google traffic's disappeared yes it has <laughs> and then someone will have forgotten to turn off the ad spend so you'll have spent a load of money sending yeah. people to a landing page that will have an impact on your algorithmic performance in your ad campaigns as well it's just yeah don't don't do that and to be honest, if you want to take a stand against Black Friday, do something like we're not running Black Friday, but we're going to plant a tree for everyone who orders today. Mm -hmm. Or if you've got a high AOV, we're going to, you know, for every 10 orders we get, we're going to save an acre of rainforest. Mm. You know, do something like that. Or we're going to give money to the local food bank. Do something more interesting than just going, we're not. If yeah. you're going to make a point of not if you're just going to carry on as per normal that's totally cool but if you're mm. going to go we're not doing black friday today so there's no discounts do something good instead of discounts yeah yeah come again yeah i like that i like that we, we often talk about promoting charity you know if you're going to not do black friday just use it as an opportunity to promote charity um yeah. and and you know help help some good causes why not you know the world needs everyone to help out so um so that's that was one question. So what are some of the worst Black Friday fails you've seen? And I would agree, right? The 40% the off site wide thing, I just think is lazy. It's just lazy. Yeah, it's just lazy marketing. And it's, it's just like, oh, although I am personally quite tempted to buy that. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, cheap. I will take advantage of your stupidity. <laughs> if that's what you want, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, I'm there. I'm there. Yeah, so I no, I agree. I I agree with you. Some of the other things that I've seen, which just in just beggars belief, things like, um, you know, where they've put an offer uh, for a product which they don't actually have in stock. Yeah. Why? 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 I can't buy it. Email me when it's back in stock. No, but today is the day I get the forty percent off. Why can I not buy this now? Exactly. If you're going to put products up that you think might go out of stock during the day, then you need someone there ready to shift that product down the page, remove it from the Black Friday deal, put something else in. If you're doing that, do not send out an email that details the products. Send yeah. out an email that says, see our Black Friday offers on our special Black Friday offer page. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That just That's where the one source of information is. It's, you know... It, it's depressing all year round to see out of stock product at the top of a page. It's even more depressing <laughs> on Black Friday when you and your team are putting a load of work yeah. to try and sell stuff and then you've put the wrong product. Or you this, put, yeah, yeah. There is something um, that I call the mum test. And this is where whenever we put together our landing pages or our offers, I'll send them to my mum and I'll say, mum, do me a favor, 
buy this and tell me what you think. Just to see if she can do it. Because my mum, God love her, she's not the most technically smart person in the world. Um, but she's she's a beautiful person, right? So, you know, she has giftings in other areas. Let's put it that way. She makes a mean Sunday roast. Now, the reason we do this is because the amount of times we've come to Black Friday and something doesn't work because it's not been tested thoroughly or properly is unbelievable, right? And so these are, I don't think they're the worst Black Friday fails, but they are the common Black Friday fails, is actually there's just not been enough adequate testing done on the offers that you've got, and it just, for whatever reason, doesn't work. And the, and the poor boys and girls sat there in customer service are just going, oh. like, Like a voucher code that only works with caps lock on. That's when that happen. Um, a voucher code where there's lots of yeah. zeros and, and O's and yeah. no one's quite sure which one you put in. Or what L's and ones. L's. Yeah, yeah, and all that sort of stuff. Like, oh, come on. Yeah, and all those kind of bits. Or uh, you've created some smart links. Clever idea. You can track it all. But no one checked the smart links. Um, yeah. So many things. It's just but all the fundamentals, isn't it? All the basics that people just forget because life is so busy around Black Friday. Um, because you, you've done it a hundred times this year, so yeah. it'll be fine. And then you're like, oh dear. No, and the one day isn't is Black Friday. And you don't yeah. want that. You don't want that, do you? You don't want that. We've all done it. <laughs> uh, question. I uh, sell internationally. Um, so not just to the UK, but to international markets. Does Black Friday work in international markets? Should I do this internationally? Depends on the countries. Um, I, I don't know if it works in all countries. I would have a look at what your competitors in those countries are doing. Fundamentally, though, people like a discount. So mm. I suspect it will work to some extent. Um, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't that. go to the effort of creating separate homepages, you know, unless you're like 80% sales in country that hates Black Friday and 20% mm. sales in the UK, then I might do separate landing, you know, separate homepages. But otherwise, I just keep it simple. Don't overcomplicate. Yeah. yeah, no, I'd agree totally. I'd, I would assume it works internationally, just like I would assume it yeah. works here. Um, I don't it's know not like country Mother's Day. I mean, Mother's Day you have to care about because it happens on different days and yeah. people will go, why are you sending me a Mother's Day offer if you send it out at the wrong time to the wrong country? Yeah. But this isn't Mother's Day. Yeah, not Mother's Day. It's not Father And Father's Day, actually, the amount of people that write in and go, I hated my dad. Why are you sending me this offer? Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, okay. Anyway, maybe that's a subject for another podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But yes, uh, I, I Black Friday is Black Friday all over the world, isn't it? I'm just going down my questions here, Chloe. I think we are all... Have we covered we, them all? I think so. Um, okay. Oh, one question here someone sent in. Uh, I'll let you answer this one. Um, are you planning on buying anything this Black Friday? Are you an avid Black Friday purchaser? Or are you too I'm busy not. checking out what everyone's doing to buy anything? I'm I'm not. I... I <laughs> I tend to not buy anything on Black Friday because I'm in the office for the day, so I don't think of anything. If I see any great software deals, I'm a sucker for a good software deal. <laughs> I may um, I may spend on that, um, but I tend as I think thinking now, there's nothing on my list of things I want to buy at the moment 
that I will be organized enough to buy on Black Friday. <laughs> There's nothing I've got like on a wait list. There's mm. I won't be doing my Christmas shopping that week. Um, yeah, I will just, I will mainly on Black Friday, I'll mainly be going, gosh, I'm so glad I'm not running Black Friday marketing campaigns because <laughs> I know how unbelievably hard work that is so mm. i will be trying to be very quiet and not annoying my audience by giving them things to think about when they've got far too much to do just to be paying attention to me yeah i'm with you i'll be in the office we'll be working really hard on the e-commerce websites i i tend to try and avoid unless there's i have a really specific purchase i tend not to browse black friday looking for bargains because I'm I'm a sucker at impulse purchasing. And so I'm going to come home and, and smacked in the head by my wife for spending way too much money on stuff that we didn't actually need. Um, and so I, I've learned to safeguard myself and, and not uh, browse on Black Friday. If there's something specific, which I don't think there is this year, actually, if there's something specific that I'm looking to buy, I might look at it. Um, but other than that, I, I personally am too focused in on, on work and, uh, and, and try not to spend our hard-earned money on stuff that we don't actually need. Yeah, yeah, that is, um, that's the thing. It's like, I'm thinking there's, not, there's nothing we really need at the moment that I need to go Black Friday crazy about. I mean, I've gone Black Friday crazy in the past when it first started happening. Yeah, we all did, didn't we? What are some of the, uh, can I ask what are some of the impulse purchases that you made that you regretted on Black Friday? Do you remember any of them? I don't, oh, can I remember any that I regret? I don't think so. I mean, like, I clearly remember back in, back in the early 2000s, Amazon was did, did kind of like countdowns to Christmas just before mm. Black Friday came here. And we would sit in the office and we all got utterly obsessed with what Amazon was selling. And I, I still have a, um, a ceramic black rotary watch that I bought, which, I mean, it's a lovely watch. I don't wear black. Didn't really wear black at the time. <laughs> Don't know why I bought it. Um, it's very shiny though. It's quite nice and shiny. But yeah, there's been, and I've come come quite close to buying some other things. I don't, yeah. Oh, and a, 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 a Sony MP3 player. Oh, that got wow. a lot of use for a couple of years. And then mm. um, I don't well, even know where it is now. You just don't need it anymore, do you? Last no. year I, I bought, and I know I bought it, because uh, it's still set on the cupboard. I never, for whatever reason, I bought a snow globe bottle of gin, which I thought make a great gift for somebody. Wow. Don't know what I was thinking. Don't know <laughs> what I was thinking. Because the gin is awful. Is it? <laughs> it's, yeah. It's like, oh. It was, I was suckered in by the novelty factor. Like you, Chloe, I have, a, I have a watch, which I've never really worn because it looked better on the screen than it did on my wrist. Uh, yeah. And us is a bit like, oh. So I had a little bit of buyer's remorse on that. So there are definitely a few things that I've purchased on Black Friday that I kind of went. Yeah, it's very easily done. I mean, and not meaning to sound too, too soppy, but I do a little bit of me goes, Chloe, you're trying to help e-commerce businesses. So buying when they've discounted to the max, probably the wrong thing to do. <laughs> That's very true, actually. Yeah, yeah. Buy so from I, them a week later when their prices are back up to normal. Yeah, but then I also am like, yeah, but a discount's a discount. Discount's down. We all need to save the money, don't we? If they the put other, it out there. 
Yeah, yeah. It, they must be happy. It's one of those, isn't it? And I, I, wherever possible, and this is not me being moralistic, but wherever possible, I'll, I will try and buy from a local, I won't say local, I mean British-based e-com website that's not Amazon and that's not, you know, one of the big chains kind of thing. Because I like to su- to support yeah. businesses like mine, if that makes sense. So um, I, I, I do like to do that. So if you can do that... Buy for whatever country you're in and buy off a smaller guy than Amazon and Walmart and all the big guys, right? Just be different this Black Friday. Just putting that out there. (sighs) Well, Chloe, I think we've got through all the questions. Um, For those that don't already know, Mm -hmm. uh, that don't already listen to the podcast, one, why not? Two, uh, you know, the four people on the planet that don't actually know about you, Chloe. How do people (laughs) reach with you? How do people connect with you? Cool. So you can find everything I'm up to via ecommercemasterplan.com or find me on LinkedIn. I'm uh, Chloe Thomas and you'll you'll probably fail fail to not find me if you search Chloe Thomas on LinkedIn. I'm quite easy to find. Um, and uh, I've got the two podcasts, Ecommerce Masterplan, which is an interview with a different e-commerce uh, person every Monday and keep optimizing where we focus on a different marketing method for a month at a time and interview a different expert each week. So um, yeah, you can find that on all the usual podcast players, but ecommercemasterplan.com is where you'll find all the details about everything. Absolutely. And do check out Close Podcast. It is great. Uh, and you do, I mean, you do learn lots, which is, this is the whole point of the whole thing, isn't it? Really? It is. So, Chloe, thank you so much for being on the show. We will, of course, link to you and all your info in the show notes as well, which you can get along. Uh, you can get on the website for free. Uh, I've, I've just lost the ability to talk now. Uh, ecommercepodcast.net. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's descending quickly. Uh, Chloe, <laughs> on that bombshell, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the sign-out stuff. So thank you for joining me. Uh, you've been an absolute legend. Uh, it's been brilliant to be here. I always love chatting with you, Matt, and um, I think we've helped everyone a lot. Yeah, absolutely. We totally have. So there you have it. Uh, what a great conversation. A huge thanks again to Chloe for joining me today. And also don't forget to check out uh, the show sponsor, ecommercecohort.com uh, for this sort of more information about this new type of community, which you can and probably should join if you're in e-commerce. Uh, be sure to follow the e-commerce podcast as well as e-commerce master plan, wherever you get your podcast from, because we've got lots of great conversations lined up leading up to Christmas and I don't want to I don't want you to miss a single one of them and in case no one has told you yet today let me be the first person to tell you dear listener you are awesome uh, yes you are uh, the e-commerce podcast is produced by Orion Media you can find our entire archive of episodes on your favorite podcast app the team that makes this show possible is Sadaf Bain on Josh Catchpole Estella Robin and Tim Johnson Our theme song was written by Josh Edmondson and my good self. And as I mentioned, if you would like to read the transcript or show notes, head over to the website ecommercepodcast.net, where coincidentally, you can also sign up for our newsletter and get all of this good stuff delivered direct to your inbox, totally free, which is also amazing. So that's it from me. That's it from Chloe. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great week. Have a great Black Friday. Uh, I'll see you next time. Bye for now.